Good morning, Crossroads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I was in prayer about what the Lord wanted me to speak to everybody today, and I was asking him and seeking him out. And I heard him say, Jesus is your anchor. And I just want to encourage you today, and I want to just remind you. And so he took me to Acts chapter 27, and just to kind of recap, Paul is on his way to Rome, and he's a prisoner, and there's this uh, Roman centurion who is in charge of him, and his name is Julius. And so this trip is taking much, much longer than it's supposed to take because they're traveling during the worst part of the year. And so they're just catching winds against them and everything. And so they stop at a harbor called, uh, I believe it's Fair Haven. And Paul tells them and he warns them, you know, I don't think we should keep going because we're going to lose the ship. We're going to lose people. We're going to lose the cargo. We're going to lose everything. But Julius decides to listen to the pilot and the owner of the ship. And he disregards Paul, Paul's opinion, Paul's observation, God's wisdom, because Paul is a man of God. And so the next few, uh, not the next day, but once the weather clears up and blue skies, winds blowing in their favor, the weather looks good, they decide to set sail. And so they take off, and surely enough, not that long into it, the weather comes, and it's a relentless storm, and it just comes, and it comes with, with fire and passion, and it's not letting up. And so they start unloading things from the ship to try to lighten the load up. And by this time, they haven't seen the sun, they haven't seen the stars, there's no light, and everyone starts losing hope. Everyone on that ship is like, oh, there's, there's no hope in being saved. And so then Paul reminds them, you know, you should have listened to me. You guys should have listened to what I was telling you. And I want to read Acts chapter 27, 22 through 26. And this is what Paul is saying to everybody on that ship. He says, but even now I urge you to keep up your courage and be in good spirits because there will be no loss of life among you, but only loss of the ship. For this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me and said, Stop being afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has given you the lives of all those who are sailing with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I believe God and have complete confidence in him that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. But we must run the ship aground on some island. So I was just asking the Lord, okay, well, what is, what do you mean? Like, what are you trying to tell me? What is it, Lord? Paul, Paul is a man of God who had a a radical transformation and a radical encounter with the Lord. And God was reminding him, Paul, do not be afraid. Paul is also human. We're human. I'm human. You're human. And we have emotions and feelings that sometimes rise up and want to, want to, say something different than the voice of God. And so God was reminding Paul, do not be afraid, Paul, because what I have spoken will come to pass. And not only that, 
He gave the lives of all the men that were with Paul. He said, I'll give you these lives. The God that we serve is a merciful God. And even though Paul was around unbelievers, the storm was going crazy, everything was against them, but the only one that could save them was the Lord. And so I just feel like right now it does feel like there's a storm with the pandemic and things that are going on in the world and uh, politics and just everything that's going on in the world feels chaotic, feels crazy, and it almost doesn't make sense. But I'm here to remind you that you are a believer in the most high God and he wants you to be anchored to him regardless of feelings, regardless of opinions, regardless of every other voice but his own, that you are anchored to him. In Hebrews 6.19, it says, this hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul, it cannot slip and it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. So whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, whether it be emotions that, are, that feel overwhelming, whether it be a man's opinion or the things that you're, you're hearing in public, or whether it be your own will that's going against the Lord because you're trying to figure things out, you are anchored to Lord and he is your Jesus, he's your hope, he's your salvation and you are hooked to him and no matter what is trying to come against you, it shall not prosper. You have nothing to fear, nothing to fear because he is with you. You are to be a beacon of light just like Paul was a beacon of light amongst all these unbelievers, amongst the storm. He was a beacon of light because all these men had lost hope. You are called by God. You are chosen. You are approved, approved by him. And he's calling you to be a beacon to the world that knows no light. There was no sun. There was no stars. There was nothing. But God being, but Paul being a man of God, God used him. So I'm here to remind you that you are anchored to the Lord and that you are to be a beacon for him and his kingdom because the world has no hope and it's losing its hope. But you know the one true God where all hope lies in, the one that can save souls. So I just wanna remind you and encourage you that he is your anchor. You can be still in him regardless of what's going on around you and you can speak into the lives of others that the God that we serve is a God of mercy and salvation. So Lord, I just wanna pray, Lord, that today that you, that you stir our hearts, my God, with compassion, Lord, for those around us, my God, that we continue to remind ourselves that we are anchored to you, that you are faithful, that you are faithful regardless of what's trying to come against us, my God. Lord, you are our anchor, my Lord. So I pray that you just stir in our hearts today, Lord that you speak to us, Holy Spirit, that you help us receive whatever it is that you have for us today because, God, you always have blessings and beauty and love and encouragement and truth for your children, my God. Lord, you are our hope when the world says there is no hope, my God. You are our hope, and we rely on you and we depend on you, my God. So we, we remind ourselves of who we're tied to, Lord. So we ask that you speak to us, Lord, that you... Help us be courageous. Help us be bold, my God. And help us just rely on you. Like Paul said, Lord, I have full confidence in whatever it is that you have spoken will come to pass. 
And Lord, you are the author and the finisher of our salvation. You knew everything from beginning to end, my God. So why wouldn't we follow you, Lord Jesus? Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We want to welcome you to Crossroads today. Uh, our pastors are on their sabbatical. They are getting more in touch with Lord, so who knows what that's going to look like. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's going to be good. So um, I want to just go through the announcements. We have uh, our first outdoor uh, service starting next Sunday. It'll be 8.30 a.m., uh, so, uh, what you'll want to do is head down Wright Avenue towards the west to come in for parking uh, instead of on, usually on the east, but this time you come in on the west, and uh, and there'll be uh, area for you to park, and then you can bring your chairs. You want to lawn chairs or whatever, uh, maybe a umbrella, maybe uh, something to cover. It may be damp at 8.30, don't know yet. Uh, and just come out, and we're going to have our first service outside. Uh, and we're going to continue for two services, uh, one at 8.30 and one at 10.30. This 10.30 one will be streamed uh, as we're doing this one now. And, but at 8.30, it'll be where we can actually gather. Uh, you still follow all your social distancing uh, procedures and masks. And, but we're going to be able to get out there and sing. And uh, so, and we'll get further instructions as our pastors will uh, open up that service. But, uh, and then 10.30 service will start. We'll shift this a half hour later to 10.30. And it'll be for streaming, uh, just as it is now. Until, and we'll have the outdoor service outside until we're allowed to have the services indoors. Uh, but we're going to continue with the two services because that's, you know, God is expanding our territory. And this is one way we're doing it. In fact, this way here, we're reaching our neighbors, aren't we? <laughs> so, um, and uh, uh, be sure to look into your the, the newsletter that comes out on Friday. Pastor puts a lot of information in there, uh, far more than what I'll pass on. But he, one, one thing uh, that they're encouraging you to do is to contact your elected officials uh, to encourage them to reopen the Santa Clara County churches and schools. Um, you know, we've been sheltering in place, and I'm sure that's having an effect, a positive effect. Uh, but we long to be together. You know, we're not meant to be apart. And if you aren't... Uh, involved in at least a life group and there are actually more than 10 I think there's 10 or more life groups to, available to join you need to connect with someone uh, and most of us are actually having some of our life groups uh, in person uh, I know we do ours uh, at our home in the backyard and we follow the rules and um, but connect with someone we're not meant to be alone we're meant to share life together we need each other. I need what you have for me, and you need what I have for you. And it's just the way God designed us. Um, also, a reminder that the IRS is allowing 100% of your income, up to your 100% of your income, as deductible on your income taxes this year only. So if you do give, it's, it's a full deduction that you'll be able to make on your taxes. So it's a good encouragement to 
to give if you haven't, and definitely continue to tithe. Uh, you know, ministry is continuing to happen, and even after we're back together, it'll continue. And we have the cost of facilities and operations, and and we're to give to the house. Lord says to bring the full tithe into the, the storehouses, and we should should do that. Um, now, the Mackay house, this is, uh, I would say it's Pastor Lynn's uh, deal, but it's not. It's, uh, it's a home, according to the newsletter, if you'll read it, it's a home for unwed mothers or mothers that can't, that are are pregnant and they have no place to go. They really don't want to go the abortion route. And we are for life. And this is a this is in India. And sometimes we look across even the United States and say, how can I make a difference? You know, even if and, and we are pro life. I mean, we we believe in in life and we would love to eliminate abortion you know because i mean even adoption there's there's people that are waiting for adopt to adopt children and they're adopting them from other countries even so to support this we're not only doing what the lord desires but we're actually able to save lives and we're literally saving the lives of children and and they are growing up to be in, in an environment, hopefully, that will be under the influence of Christian people that can further the kingdom of God. So, so we need to make this our cause. You know, it's uh, they're establishing. Uh, they're they're currently renting a place in uh, in India, and they have the opportunity of purchasing the home they're in, and. It's like setting a stake in the ground. You're claiming the territory that God is giving you. And we need to do that. We need to take that on as our cause. And so um, I'm encouraging you, even plant a seed. You know, if, if it's $50, just do it. You know, and you can give online. Uh, you can send a check. There's mail. You can drop it off. Uh, but it's something we need to get it behind. You know, we've raised $41,000. The cost of the home is $100,000. You know, a home here in the U.S., a $100,000 home is not much. In India, uh, it's adequate for doing the job. It's probably a good home there for that. So we need to really get behind this and, and make a difference in the lives of others. Uh, we also have our uh, fundraising uh, project for the... Um, in fact, you know, for the Mackay House and as well as this video equipment we need, you know, even consider doing a, a fundraiser on your own and direct the funds over to the church. You know, it, it doesn't take a lot. You put yourself out there. There's social media all the time. We're all online now. So, uh, you know, you, you can do it without actually touching somebody. And, you know, let's, let's get behind this. So, and our video equipment, you know, we've raised uh, 61 hundred dollars we need uh, just over eight thousand more uh, and that's to continue this service because even after the pandemic's over we're going to continue because we're reaching people uh, San Giovanni you know uh, and Moses and uh, you know you guys are in India 
And we thank you because we love you joining us. Because the Word of God is for everyone. It doesn't matter. And it's timely, too. We need to get that Word of God out to where it needs to go at the time that it needs to be there. And the Lord is taking care of that. And so we need to take care of how do we do that. And this is the media, uh, with the video, this is a great way and opportunity to do that. Uh, we're borrowing equipment to make this happen right now. And say, can I say something? Yeah. Right now we're using Randy's iPhone to do the video. So we need to go to better equipment so that we can do a better job for you guys. And should I not be here, then we'll be ba borrowing Pastor's iPhone. You know, uh, it goes on. So, and we'll just go down the list until we keep doing it. But let's, let's uh, do things right, you know, and it's not a huge amount of money. Uh, you know, we've got Mackay House, $59,000 to go. You know, and uh, the video equipment, 8000 You know, just, well, almost nine. So anyway, can, do give that good consideration. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about it. Uh, we have Crossroads Connect on Wednesdays. Um, the men meet, the women meet, the youth meet, right? They do. Where are you meeting, Rebecca? On the lawn. On the lawn here at the church for the youth. Uh, the women are meeting at Sarita Iwanaga's home, and the men are meeting at our home in Gilroy. Uh, so come on out. Uh, be a part of, of that. Uh, there, there's new ministries on the horizon. They're, they're just we're just breaking ground. Pastor Sandy does an awesome job. Now, you had a art in the park event yesterday that was here, and it turned out well. Awesome. And be sure to catch her videos. They're fun to watch. I mean, they're not just for kids. So, uh, and the ministry, uh, the missionary of the week is Mark and Dar Dar Daylene Good. They're missionaries to France, and so we want to remember them. Uh, also, the uh, upcoming retreats, um, we have the men's, women's, and the Holy Spirit retreat all coming up. We've got three weeks to go for the men's uh, retreat. That's uh, being worked on right now. Uh, the women is two weeks after that. And, uh, okay, also the, re the sermons are recorded for uh, audio or on your iPod for iPod listening. Uh, and they're available on various flavors for that online. You can get that information in the e-newsletter, as well as the sermons here. The video ones are also available on Facebook. Okay, and we're going to uh, pray over our offering. Be sure to continue. Don't let circumstances keep you from bringing your tithe in. Uh, we, you know, it is, it is the blessing of God that he has given us. Uh, I was just past, talking with Pastor Lynn last week, the week before. And, uh, you know, everything that we do in life is about stewardship. You know, God gives us, and what do you do with what he gives us? It's not just the money. It's our time. It's our relationships. It's uh, our thought processes. It's everything that we have we give back to the Lord. And he blesses, he multiplies that and blesses us with that. So we need to continue that. So let's just pray over the, the offering, Lord. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you. We lift you up on high. Your name is glorious. It's marvelous. It can never be compared with any other name. 
We thank you, Lord, that you have provided for our church, for our community, our people, even those that haven't even joined us yet. We, you are providing them and providing a way for them to reach us, Lord, so that they can reach you. Lord, you're expanding our territories, Lord. We ask that you would continue to pour out a, a multiplication of blessing upon each person. Just continue to, to uh, pour your, uh, the, the finances, Lord, the, the blessings, the relationships. Lord, let there be multiplications in all areas. Lord, get, help us to, to handle the, the, uh, the monies properly as they should be as you direct us, Lord. Just bless us and bless the offering, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Okay, I want to in, uh, invite Nick, Dr. Nick Garza up here. He is good friends with our pastors, uh, David and Lynn Willis, and Dr. Garza is the executive network pastor for Central Pacific Ministry Network. All right. So, Dr. Nick. Praise the Lord. I just want to open up in prayer and just thank God for Pastor Dave and Lynn and, and this wonderful congregation. And I want to welcome all the members, all the people visiting us online, uh, family members of mine that are watching from, from the Northwest and from other places. And let's just pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, that this is the day that you have made. So I have no choice but to rejoice. Uh, as someone mentioned today, our anchor is not in the end of COVID. Our anchor is in you. Our hope is in you. Our hope has always been in you. And especially at a time like this, God, we trust you. Lord, we do ask that you would bless Pastor Dave and Pastor Lynn as they take a little bit of time off. Be with them. Refresh them. Pour your spirit upon them and let them have even more fervor and vision for what they're doing here and across the world through their ministry. We give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so the worship team is now in the congregation, so I have live people to look at, and that's wonderful. I expect you to be loud, and so we're going we're gonna to act like there's a thousand people in here, right? Amen. And if you're online, uh, tell us where you're from. We do this at the church that we attend. Tell us where you're from. Give us your name. And if you have any prayer requests, we'll jump on there later. And there's probably some people that are on there right now that would uh, be praying for you. title of this message is very simple. It's broke, so fix it. It's broke, so fix it. I know that's not the saying, but it's today's saying. We're people of the gospel. The gospel is good news. And if we've ever needed good news, it's now. And it's difficult to cling to the good news when we're in a season dominated by so much bad news. My wife and I watched the news last night right before we fell asleep. And it's, it's about 90% bad news out there. 10% is filler and gossip. So we're in, we're in a tough, tough season. However, we're ambassadors of good news. We are not people who should be repeating, exaggerating, uh, just spreading the message that woe is me, life is over, uh, it's never going to be the same. I still believe the best days are yet to come. And God is not a God of bad news, He's a God of good news. We've been transformed by good news. We've been entrusted with good news. And we must be delivering good news to a hurting world. That's our job as the church. 
we've all heard the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we've heard this saying, we've probably repeated this saying, and sometimes it's just a way to cover up the very fact that there are things broken in our lives. How in the world can we fix things when they get broken? Maybe what we have really been saying all along is that fixing things is so hard, so why bother? Why bother? But I believe that when we need repairs, we go to the repairman. Uh, When I have something wrong with the car, I don't call uh, a contractor. I don't call a construction worker. When there's something wrong with a house, I don't go hire a mechanic. When there's something wrong with the roof, I don't hire a plumber. You find people that will help you fix what's broken. I'm here to let you know that Jesus can fix broken things. Jesus came to fix broken people. That's what he's all about. He came to fix broken people. He, he's not motivated by your brokenness. Don't get me wrong. He's motivated by his love for you. But because he loves us so much, when he finds broken things, he's willing and able to fix them. Jesus came to fix broken people. He came to fix a broken world. And Jesus wants to use us to help fix broken things. Broken relationships, broken promises, broken dreams. Maybe you're watching today and you feel like everything you invested in is not working out, so you have a broken future. Would you entrust the one who could actually fix it? His name is Jesus. We get broken. We get broken. So let's not be in denial. Sometimes things get busted. They get broken. But he can fix it. He can fix it. So if it's broke, fix it. Let's go to John 4. John 4, we're going to pick up on verse 6. And some of you have read this story, studied this story. For some of you, it won't be anything new. But hopefully, there will be a take today where you could see how Jesus, when he encountered a woman at the well, he found a broken person, he found a broken uh, world, and he was here and he was willing and able to fix it as he is today. We're going to pick up on verse 6. It says, Jacob's well was there. Jacob's well was there. This was not just a place to go get water. It was a place that was greatly respected. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Verse 9 says, The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. Can you imagine Jesus? Really? (laughs) Didn't know know who you're talking to? Uh, How can you ask me, she says, for a drink? And then in parentheses here in the NIV version, it says, For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. We're living in a world right now where we're wondering who we should associate with or who we should not associate with. I'm here to let you know Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us, whether we're black, white, Jew, Gentile. Jesus loves us all. He is no respecter of persons, but he respects everybody. What does that mean? That means God doesn't have favorites, although although I believe in God's favor. I don't believe in that God has favorites. He loves all of us. So here's this woman confronting our Lord and Savior, not knowing who he is, and she's pointing out, hey, hey, uh, Mr. Jesus, Let me teach you something. Sometimes we need to be a student and not the teacher. 
Sometimes we need to listen to God and not tell God what our problem is. Listen, he knows what your problem is. Why don't you ask him, Lord, point some things out so we can get this thing fixed together. Verse 10 says, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Imagine her response. Imagine the way that felt. Here you're asking me for water and you're saying that you're going to provide. What's this all up? What's this encounter? She was probably going to just fetch some water. Some people believe because of her lifestyle, she might have been going to find a new man. (laughs) I don't really know why she was there, but Jesus encountered her anyway. It's not about your motive. It's about his love. It's not, it's not just, if, is it the right timing? Listen, all the timing is the right timing with Jesus. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. She's having this encounter and asking the right questions. Are you actually greater than the man that this well is named for? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Imagine what it was like for her to hear those words. So she says, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. There's sounds like a very basic physical need, but do you hear the the devil talk here? It's not just her responding and saying, man, I I keep tapping into wells that just don't refresh me. I keep drawing on water that doesn't take my thirst away. Maybe she would listen to that old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places. How many of us have looked for love in the wrong places? How many of us have looked for fulfillment? Even though some of us have encountered Christ, there's still that temptation to ask yourself, is Christ really enough? Because I still have other needs. I still need people. I still need relationships. We understand all that. But if you don't start from the foundation that Christ is enough, you're never going to be fulfilled in earthly relationships. So all of that, I'm going to summarize with just this statement. All of that first part of this story, your understanding of thirst is broken. We all have had those moments where our understanding of thirst is broken. And Jesus says, let me fix that. Jesus says, let me fix it. You don't understand that what you're really thirsting for is transformation. I still believe in a God that transforms people. He changes people. Listen, we got to start somewhere with the gospel. And here in Northern California, I want to announce to everyone watching, we believe in Jesus, not just because he's neat. Not just because he was born on Christmas. We believe in Jesus because he can transform lives. I believe people can change. I believe people can change for the better. I just don't always believe they could do it by themselves. We need someone. 
We need someone. We need a well that whenever we tap into that source, something changes. Our thirst gets handled. We're broke and he's able to fix it. I'm going to dive right into the rest of this passage because it's so powerful. Verse 16 says, he told her, go call your husband. Man, what a setup, right? He's setting her up. Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replies. Again, Jesus isn't surprised. Jesus isn't going, oh, wow, I'm learning something about you today. And when you pray and you say, Lord, hey, I'm broken, he's not in heaven going, you know, it never dawned on me. He knows exactly what you're going through, and he loves you anyway. He knows your failures. He knows those moments where you think of deviating from the course he's planned out. He knows you, and he still loves you. He puts up with you and me, by the way. I have no husband, she replies. And Jesus says to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband. I mean, that's, that's already, she's probably going, oh, whoa. But the fact is, you've had five. Imagine that moment. You've had five husbands and the man you now have is not, you're, you're shacking up, woman, and you know it. The one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true, he says. And what is he saying in these three verses? Your personal life is broken, so let me fix it. First thing he said was, your thirst is broken, let's fix that. The second thing he says, your personal life, the way you're living is broken. Your relationships are broken, let me fix it. I don't know where you are right now. You might even be watching this two weeks from now. But something just resonated in your spirit and you're going, man, does does Jesus really care about how I live my daily life? Absolutely heavens, yes. He cares about us. He doesn't just care about how much money you make or whether or not you can tithe. He cares about every detail of your life. If you're in a bad marriage, he wants to fix it. If you have some kids that have gone astray and you're saying, will they ever come back to Jesus? He wants to fix that too. It's broke, but we have someone that can fix it. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. You think? Can see you're a prophet. Isn't it just amazing how God reminds you he knows your business sometimes? And listen to me, just do me a favor. I do believe in the prophetic, and I do believe that people have gifts that can say a word of God over you, but please don't put people above God's word. Please don't trust a prophet more than you trust the one who gives the spirit of prophecy, because God will point some things out in your life. So don't go, hey, I'm going to go to this conference or that conference to hear a word for me. Open up your Bible. You can get a word every day in Jesus' name. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors, she gets all religious now, right? I know how to get to him off the subject of my personal life and five husbands. Let's, 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 let's get into a theological debate. Are you kidding? It's Jesus. Surely I can, I can get him here. So she starts to explain, Professor Samaritan woman, our ancestors worshipped 
on this mountain. But you Jews, you claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. It's not about where you worship. It's about how you worship. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It's how you worship, not where you worship. God is spirit, it says, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible also says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. God's Spirit, when we worship Him in spirit, it should be a freeing worship. Worship isn't about singing songs together at the campfire. You could have done that in the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts or in the old days of the Assemblies of God, the Royal Rangers and the Missionettes. So it's not just about singing campfire songs and looking forward to the s'mores. It's about worshiping God in spirit and truth. It's something that comes from the heart. It's something that comes from your spiritual guts where you come into contact with a mighty God so you can be set free. So your understanding of worship, he's saying, it's broken. The way you understand worship is broken. Let me fix that. Let me fix that. Maybe you're listening today. You're a Christian. And you're like, wow, I just thought worship was... And people get in arguments all the time. Why, why are they singing that song from Elevation? Why can't they just sing a song from Jonathan Edwards? Why, why, why can't we just get back into the hymn book and, and we want to worship from Jacob's well? Or, or we want to, you know, it's the same stuff. There's nothing new about it. Because we haven't made it about the heart. We've made it about our taste. Worship is not about your taste. It's about the one who said, I don't want you to get thirsty anymore. So when you come to the well and you worship me, your thirst is satisfied. You minister unto God as he's ministering unto you. So your understanding of worship might be broken. Jesus says, let's work on that. Let me fix it. You see the way he dives into every area of her life, her personal life, whether or not she understands that she's thirsty. And now he gets involved in worship. The woman said, I know the Messiah. Oh, really? Listen to this. I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. <laughs> what an encounter, right? Can you imagine? I mean, but it's like that for all of us. When we first come to Christ, we don't really know what we're getting into. <clears throat> don't underestimate the power, the greatness of Jesus. We should never take him for granted. He's not just like any other prophet. He's not just like Muhammad. He's not just like Buddha. He's not just one of many great people. He's the son of the living God. And when you have an encounter with him, you might start out with a kindergarten understanding, but he wants to give you a PhD knowledge of who he is for you. And he doesn't want you to just know. It's not just about the more I know, the better my faith will be. No, actually, the greater your faith is, the more you'll get to know him. And the more you'll change to be like him. 
The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. So when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. Jesus is like, you know, leaning on the well. Oh, okay. (laughs) Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Okay, okay. So I got these 12 guys. And these 12 guys are following me around. One of them is going to deny me. I haven't even popped the question yet. Who do people say I am? You remember that verse? Who do people say I am? Well, some say you're a prophet and some say you're this and that. And then, Peter, who do you say I am? You are the son of... Remember that? Hasn't happened yet. He's revealing himself to a messed up, five-time married woman shacking up with someone, probably so she could afford to eat. And he reveals himself to her and not the twelve. You know why? He came for broken people. He came to fix broken people. By the way, the disciples were pretty messed up too. (laughs) But he's making a point here. If you're listening to me right now and you're a woman and you say, everything about our society is male-driven. Jesus wasn't. If you say everything about our society is for white people only, and no, 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 not Jesus wasn't. Because she's not even the right race. She's a Samaritan. She's a Samaritan woman. And she's a Samaritan adulterous woman. She doesn't fit any of the right categories. You can't check any boxes. And he reveals himself to maybe you're listening right now and you can't check one right box. But Jesus is coming into your living room, into your car, into your headphones right now saying, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. It's high noon and I'm at your well. And I'm telling you, I can give you water and you'll never thirst again. Your understanding of worship is broken. Let me fix it. Now he's saying this, your understanding of me, your understanding of Christ is broken. Let me fix it. Let me fix it. Maybe you're listening right now and you don't really know who Jesus is. Let's work on that. Let the Holy Spirit right now fix it. Because Jesus wants you to know he's your friend. He's your doctor. He's your lawyer. He is your bailout plan. He is your progressive insurance plan. He's got you covered if you would just come to him. Just come to him. We're going to close with the last few verses here. It says this. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. By the way, I know we're in the book of John, but it says here in the beginning of the stories that all of the disciples had gone on to Safeway to go get some food or somewhere. They they were somewhere collecting lunch. How do they know so much detail about this story if they weren't even there? God revealed it to someone, right? Because this story did happen. The detail is there for us. But it says here that they come back and they're surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Why didn't they ask? Because Jesus was always up to things that they didn't understand. 
during COVID, Jesus is up to things you and I don't understand. And after this is over, we're going to go, what was that about? Don't wait till it's over to learn what God wants you to learn. Trust him. Trust him. Depend on him. Put your anchor in him, and the anchor will hold. Verse 28 says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, now she becomes an evangelist. She hears this good news and can't be quiet about it. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He didn't tell her everything he ever did. He just told her about the important stuff. He told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So what is Jesus doing here? Here's what he's doing. Hey, while we're at it, let's fix your purpose too. You see, he just doesn't want to fix your worship life. He just doesn't want to fix your your sin life. He wants to fix your purpose. He wants to give you direction. He wants you to be not only a partaker of the gospel, but a spreader of the gospel where your life becomes a light in which Jesus can shine in dark places. So I conclude by this, saying this, Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. That's his purpose. He wants to make it your purpose too. That's Luke 19.10. Luke 4.18 and 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came with a purpose, and one of those purposes was to give you purpose. John 10.10 says, Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. He had a mission statement, and it was to give you life, and not just give you a decent life, a mediocre life, but an abundant life. Jesus came to complete the work the Father sent him to do, John 4, 34. So I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for your home. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your relationships. But most of all, I want to pray that you would open up your heart and let the transforming power of Jesus come and visit you right now. Maybe you're not at Jacob's well. Maybe you're at a dry well. Maybe you're at a place in life where you haven't had a good drink of water in a long, long time. You know what I'm talking about. But Jesus is sitting at that place with you right now. He's willing to go to places where you thought he wouldn't hang out with you. And he's willing to go there so that he could take you from there to a better place. So right where you are, Unless you're driving, you can close your eyes. Just say, Jesus, I know what I've been doing. And I understand that you know what I've been doing. And we both know right now it hasn't all been good. 
thank you for loving me anyway. Thank you for putting up with the crud in my life. But I really want to thank you now that you have a way to clean it up. You have a way to remove it. You have a way to transform me. So Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. We invite you into car speakers and headphones and and television sets right now people watching this. We invite you, Holy Spirit, during this season that people are calling a pandemic, during this season, we're forced to listen a little more, talk a little less. So we want to hear you. We want to hear you. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us right now. Spirit of the living God, invade every home right now. Invade every marriage right now. You that are about to pull the plug. Some of you have signed a do not resuscitate order concerning your marriage. Why don't you throw that away right now? Because God has the ability to not only resuscitate it, but to make it the best marriage you could ever have. So right now, a spiritual CPR is going to take place. Right now, Jesus is going to give you a brand new heart. He's going to give you a brand new purpose. And all you got to do is say, Jesus, forgive me. Make my life right. Come into my heart change me from the inside out. I'll do my best to live for you, but I'm going to need your help. So carry me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've accepted Jesus into your life this morning, why don't you comment on there or write this church, go to the website, get a hold of the pastor's email, somebody's email, send a message. Let them know that you've been blessed today. But our prayer for you right now is that you would do, as I have said in the title of this message, Lord, it's broke, so fix it. I'm broke, so fix me. It's not bad news, it's good news. Let me remind you something about the Bible. There's a lot more good news than bad news. And I know that in the midst of bad news right now, we could really use some good news. God bless you. We love you. The family here at Crossroads is longing to get back together with you. And I agree with what brother said. We're not meant to be alone. We're not going to have church to protest. We're going to have church because we need to be together and because God has called us to be together. And I know that 2020 hasn't looked good. Believe me, I know personally But God is the turnaround God. And all things work together for good for those that love Jesus. We're going to close with a worship song. I challenge you to get into that place of worship where it's not just, like I said, a campfire song. But it's this place inside of you that you connect with God. And you say, Lord, teach me to worship you in spirit and in truth because the spirit of the Lord will set me free and the truth shall set me free. 
So I want to worship you, Lord, in freedom and in freedom. In Jesus' name.